Well, today we are continuing our series, Lie to Me, and the whole point of the message, or the sermon series, is to look at a bunch of different lies that Satan tells us so that he can get us on track, get us off track in our, in our walk with God. And one of the big lies that Satan tells us is that God can't help me with my problems. And I think a lot of people end up getting sucked into that lie, and I kind of understand why, because of, because of just some of the, I, the complexities of the problems and the difficulties that we face in life. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that we live very much in a troubled world. Uh, in our church, we are a part of a, a mission team, mission group at Alex's House Children's Home in Haiti. And some of you have been able to go down there. When you go down there, one thing that you just automatically recognize is the immense poverty whenever you're there. It's absolutely incredible. So there's problems there. Then we see in the news all the problems. We have, you know, we have the whole issue that's, that's gone on with, uh, with terrorism around the world. Just last month in, in Britain, and you might remember this, during broad daylight, some men jumped out of a car and executed a British soldier in, you know, in broad daylight. And so you see stuff like this, and you're thinking, what in the world's going on? I mean, these are huge, complex problems, and it seems like it's just getting worse and worse. And, and I know that, that in, our, in our country, we have our own set of problems, and we have our own difficulties. And just this past week, there was a Supreme Court ruling that came out, and, you know, our nation's always sort of thought that you know, we, we have some basic biblical values. And then what I'm discovering more and more is that they're not so basic anymore. You know, they're, they're not, they're, they don't seem to be the majority anymore. And you begin to wonder, what's going on here? As a matter of fact, Justice Kennedy wrote the majority opinion for that case. And the thing that really bothered me about his opinion is he said that those people who were anti-gay marriage, he says that their beliefs are rooted in animus, in hate. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, where, where are we going as a country? And then, and then I can be jaded, you know, as a pastor, and I start thinking... God, we got some big problems here. God, I don't know if you can do anything about it. Doesn't seem like you can. And that's why today's message is important because there is a lie from Satan that says we have such huge problems that God can't do anything about them. And the people that a man named Peter was writing to, they were in a similar situation where they felt like they were overwhelmed by problems. They were being persecuted by their faith. And they thought, man, we're just in a place where we just don't think God can do anything for us. I think these problems are too big for God. And so my hope for you today is that as we look into our text, is that you're going to leave here saying, you know what, I, I believe that God is bigger than my problems. I believe that God is bigger than anything that I can face, and that's why I'm going to trust Him. And so today we're going to look in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1. And before we get there, obviously it's 2 Peter, there was a 1 Peter, and a Peter wrote the first letter to a group of Christians who were undergoing persecution because of their faith. And that's, you see a lot of this in the Bible, and one of the reasons why is because the Roman Empire you know, dominated the world at this time. Uh, the man who was emperor during the time that this was written was a man named Nero. Have you all, have you all heard of Nero before, right? Nero was crazy man. Okay, Nero hated Christians. You might remember he burned down Rome, uh, Rome and uh, then he blamed it on Christians for doing it. Just wanted to wipe them out. So the, this, these people had the weight of the Roman government coming down on them. 
And man, they are, as you can imagine, they're rather depressed. And they start saying, we have some big problems. God, where are you? Uh, God, are our problems too big for you? And so in 1 Peter, Peter's trying to encourage them. I know it's really bad right now, but believe me, God loves you. God is with you. And God wins in the end. Now that's our encouragement for today. That as we face trouble, here's the good news for us. Guys, God wins. You go to the end of this book, God wins. Wouldn't it be depressing if you turn the end and says, and God loses? Like, oh, it'd be awful. God wins. And so that's what Peter is telling the people here. Okay, then Second Peter comes along. So he, they, he, they bought into the promises that, that God gives them. And Second Peter, they're thinking, okay, Peter said that God's coming back. That Jesus is going to come back for his people. They thought he was coming back in their lifetime. And it's like he was delaying. And they're like, well, what's up with that? I mean, things are still bad. God's not here yet. And so they begin to wonder if God was going to forget his promises. And Peter comes along once again and he writes them a letter of encouragement. And he shares with them that God provides his people with hope. Even in the midst of trouble. He says, listen, God's going to give you hope to sustain you to get through the struggles in your life. And there might be some of you here today, and you need, you need a message of hope. I mean, you need to know that even though I'm struggling in life right now, that there is a God who's bigger than my problems. And the Bible says this. And so we're going to look today and see some of the provisions that God gives His people to bring them hope. And one of the, one of the provisions that God gives His people to give them hope, and it starts off with Him saying, I, He provides us with relationship with Him. God allows us to know Him and to relate to Him. Now I want you to look in our first two verses. It says this, it says, Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there was a growing movement of false teaching going on in the church at this time. It was called Gnosticism. And basically, just the basic view of this is this group of people who were within the church and they said, we believe that God is distant. That God, He's not really, you know, He's sort of like the guy who started everything, like the watchmaker God. He kind of wound everything up and He set it over to the side and said, y'all have at it. And he, he sort of turns a deaf ear to people. Yeah, because he's so big, he's so far away, that why would God be interested in little old people like us? And so that was a movement that was going on within the church. And, and I can kind of understand why they felt like God was distant, because remember what they're going through here. They're getting the tar beat out of them. And they're like, man, this is what I get for following God? Well, then where is God? It seems like God is uncaring. It seems like that God doesn't know anything about me. And then Peter comes along and he says, listen, I want you to know that God provides you with an ability to be able to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this before, about having a relationship with Jesus. And that sounds good, but my question's always been, what does that mean? You know, like, I'm going to have a relate, like, we're going to go out to dinner. You know, like, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Now, here's what it means. It means you begin by saying, Lord, I can't, you know, obviously I don't see you, but I, I'm going to trust that what you say in this book, that it's real. And I'm going to be confident that if I follow you, that, you will, that you'll show yourself to me, that you'll 
affirm me in my spirit that you, that you are real. Uh, Jesus told us that if we follow him, he said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And as we follow Jesus and we keep his commands, our text today lets us know that God does something really neat. He imputes to us righteousness. Now, now what does that mean? Just really simple, it means that God makes us right with him. And that's really important for us to know because I think a lot of us try to, try to make ourselves right with God. I'm just going to do a whole lot of good things. I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to come to church all the time. All these different things. And God's going to like me if I do these things. Let me tell you something. You cannot do enough good things in order to earn the good favor of God. Because in our nature, we are at odds with God. It is, it is in our nature to be disobedient to God. That's why it says in our text that God is the one who makes us right with Him. Ephesians 2.3 tells us we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Now I believe where many of us get in trouble is at the end of verse number 2. And it's here that uh, Peter says his desire is for grace and peace to be multiplied to us through the knowledge of God and Jesus. Now many of us know a lot of stuff about Jesus. There are some of you, you've come to church so much that you've heard a kajillion stories about Jesus. You're like, I already know enough about Jesus. I've heard about him my whole life. And so if I have this kind of knowledge about Jesus, does that make me good with him? And a lot of people think that the more you know, then the better off you're going to be. Now, I'm not anti-knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing. But that word knowledge in our text, it does not just simply mean head knowledge. That word knowledge means to come to an understanding. In other words, to have an experiential knowledge that God, the God of the Bible is real and that He literally works in your life. Now you can know stuff, but just because you know something doesn't mean that it really makes a difference in your life. You can know all about Jesus, but if you don't allow Him to work in your life, it's not a relationship, is it? Let me try to, try to give you somewhat of an example of this. When I was in college, there was a girl I knew, and I was supposed to take her to her 20th surprise birthday party. And so I went and picked her up, and uh, I, I, when she got in the car, I looked at my gas gauge, and I noticed that it was, it was on empty. I, I got to get gas. And so we drove up to a gas station, and you know, I was in college, so I had no money. And so we go to the gas station, I look up, and it costs like, I don't know, like back then it was for like 83 cents. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I was like, I'm not paying that much for gas. And so I said, I know there's a cheaper place. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to save 50 cents on a whole tank of gas. So I just, I kept driving. And so I go to the next gas station, and it's like the same price. And I'm irritated. I said, I'm not stopping there either. So I keep driving, looking for cheaper gas. I drive so far that I run out of gas. And we're, I mean, we're nowhere. We're up in Greenville, and I have no gas whatsoever. And I'm like, oh, and i got to get her to a surprise birthday party. It's like in 30 minutes, and here I am with no gas. And so I get out, and I'm not recommending this, but for the first time in my life, I'm trying to hitch a ride. Okay, that looks real good. And so I'm on the side of the road, and I'm pulling up my pants, you know, trying to get a ride, and it didn't work very well. Finally, when I pull up both pant legs, this lady pulls over. And she pulls over, and I was like, man, I'm out of gas. Can you give me the gas station? So she takes me to a gas station. I buy a gas can, fill it up. She brings me back. I fill up the car. By the time I get to the surprise birthday party, two hours late, Okay, now here's the great thing. This is what was real surprising about the party. We walk in, and ain't nobody there. Surprise! You know, so, I mean, it was awful. And so all of her friends 
hated my guts because I was a moron and I would agree I was an absolute moron now here's the deal I had knowledge that I was out of gas but I did not apply that knowledge to anything I did so what happened I ran out of gas now I knew about it but it ended up on empty and I think spiritually that's that's what happens to a lot of us we have all this knowledge about God about the forgiveness that he offers, about how he desires for us to live, about us trusting him, and yet we never apply it. And so what happens is we end up on empty, and we end up broken. And then I look at what Peter says, and, and Peter basically says, listen, God wants you to have a relationship with him. The question is, will you walk through that door with him and put it into practice and trust him? Now, what happens if we do that? Well, according to the Bible, it says that he will give us grace. He will multiply grace and peace to us. Could you use a little grace and peace in your life? You know what grace means? It means to receive something you don't deserve in a good way. The grace of God. Uh, Whenever he talks about peace, that word peace means to have freedom from worry. Now, does this mean that we will never have problems again if we trust God? Absolutely not. Uh, Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, In this world, he said, you will have trouble. You're going to have it. But the last part of that verse says some really good things. If you look at the last part of that verse, it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peter's telling us you trust Jesus. This is a troubled world. And even as you become a believer, man, you're going to struggle at times in life, but you can hang on to the fact that in the end, God will win. See, God provides us with hope. Satan lies to us and says, God can't, ha- God can't handle your problems. He says, yeah, he can. And he says, and he gives you that hope that he can and that he provides you with relationship with him. And then here's the second thing he provides for us. He provides us with power, the power of God. Verse number three. Look at this. It says, for his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory, and goodness. Guys, we, we need power. These people need the power. Remember, they're, they're being persecuted because of their faith. They need power. Now, if they're going to receive power to be able to endure what they're experiencing, they need to make sure that they are tapped in to the power source. You know, you don't receive power from anything if you're not plugged into it. Now, our power source for life, it is Jesus. And so Peter says, you have to be plugged in to Jesus. And as you're plugged into Jesus... If you look in verse number 3, what does he supply us with? He supplies us with power for what? If you have your Bible open. Anybody know? Nobody's got their Bible open. I'm going to tell you. Everything. Isn't that neat? God says his power is sufficient for everything in life. That's impressive to me. Everything. Now how does that power play out for us? You know, some of us struggle with what comes out of our mouth. Some of us struggle with what we watch. There's some of us who struggle in how we treat other people. Did you know that the power of God, when you allow Him to work in you, and you are tapped into Him, that He has the power to overcome those things in your life. He provides you with power to live a godly life. So then how do we access that power? We submit ourselves to the leadership of Jesus. We say, you know what, God? I'm trusting you. You are my only hope. And I will submit myself to you, and I will follow you. How do we follow him? 
you look into this book and you see the plan, the desires for the way that God wants you to live. Why do we look here? This is God's Word. We're told in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I said, man, I don't even know where to start in reading the Bible. Where do I go? Yeah, have you struggled with that? Here's, i got a, a suggestion for you. You can go online and look up the one-year Bible. And yeah, they'll have a Bible plan for you. And you can, you can read through the Bible in one year. It's a plan for you. It's on a calendar. One way to do that. What's another way for us to plug into Jesus? You know, did you know coming here on Sundays when we come together for worship, it's one way that you plug into Jesus. And, you know, and, and I would like to think that, that you know, we, that we have, there's so many incredible things that happen here, such, such great speaking and preaching and music that you're like, oh, I just can't stay away from here. Let me tell you, that's not the reason why you come here. You know why we come here? For Jesus. This is a way that you show him, say, Lord, I love you so much. I trust you that I'm willing to give you my time to show you that as a piece of this time that I'm giving you that I'm trusting you with all of my time now, we, we can plug into Jesus through our we have a V group ministry the way we get together throughout the week at homes and we, we just simply look at scripture we fellowship with each other we find out and talk about how we can live in a way that's going to bring glory and honor to God now here's the deal now if God provides us with power for everything that we need in, the, in this life why do so many of us live in defeat why are we worn out by this world I think it's because we like to be in control. We're afraid of letting go. We're afraid of submitting to anything. And so we, we seek after the things of this world. We tap into this world. But you know where it always ends up? It always ends up leaving us empty in life. The world promises us a whole lot of stuff. You do this, you're going to be happy. You do this, you're going to be popular. You do this, you're going to be, you're going to be wealthy. And all these different things. And that will satisfy you. That is a false bill of goods right there, guys. Uh, there's a really interesting story. I thought it was kind of, kind of a humorous story. There's a guy named Russell Herman. When he died, he did something very unusual. He left over a trillion dollars to complete strangers all across America. Now, that he, le he left $2.4 billion to this little town in Ohio. The mayor got it because you imagine the mayor was like thrilled to death. I'm sure he's thinking, pay raise. So he gets, uh, gets $2.4 billion and uh, starts talking about all the things that they can do with the money. There was a problem, though. Mr. Herman was a carpenter, and he did not have over a trillion dollars. He just thought it'd be fun to, to make up a will and send out all his money to people all across America. I thought, that's kind of fun. I might do that myself. But uh, so that, Now, the people got excited when they first got the notice. The problem was there was nothing to back it up. Now, that is the world. It promises us everything, but it doesn't have the resources to back it up. That's not how it is with God. When you trust God and He gives promises, let me tell you something, He backs it up. And so that's why, that's why Peter's encouraging the people. That's why he's encouraging us to let us know that God gives us hope and that He provides us with relationship. He provides us with power. That's the last thing I want you to see. He also provides us with hope and that He will provide you with a way out. And we see this in verse number 4. It says, by these he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature. And that's important. He's going to give you his divine nature. And then here's the next part. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Everybody at some point or another is looking to escape something. 
You know, we're, we're always looking for a way out. I mean, there's a lot of us, as we get older, we're looking for a way out of the aging process. You know, how can I keep from aging? And I just want to let you know, the answer is not Botox. Um, it's, it, that doesn't work very well. Uh, the answer for, there, there, now there's some of us, we try to escape, you know, just the, the mundaneness of life sometimes. So we go after entertainment, and there's a lot of people that do Xbox and gaming and all those things, and, and I know those games can be fun for a while. I mean, that is not the answer. Yeah, because the reality is still going to happen. It's still going to set in. So we look for all these different ways that we can escape. Now, now, the world is so interconnected today, it's impossible not to be touched by it. Now, there's some great things about this life. There's some beautiful things in this world. But there's also a lot of ugliness and perversion that comes in this world. A lot of things that are damaging in life. Now, where did that come from? It came from sin. You know, we talked about this with Adam and Eve. That's where sin started. Sin came into our world and it broke our relationship with God. And God desired for us to live in perfection in the Garden of Eden for an eternity. And we sinned and it brought in death into our world. And all of our lives today are touched by it. We're corrupted by it. But the neat things our text say, Peter says, but God gives you a way out. God helps you to escape the corruption of this evil world. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Now, how's that happen? When we trust God, we say, God, I, I don't have anything else to do but trust you. It says the Holy Spirit gives us, shares with us the nature of God. Now, what's so important about having the, the what does that mean, the, the nature of God? You know, nature determines a whole lot about you, about anything. Um, it, it determines your appetites. You know, a pig eats, wallows in the mud and eats slop because it's in its nature to do that, right? I mean, it's a pig. Um, dogs eat everything. Why is that? If it's in their nature. Don't ever let your dog lick you again. That dogs are gross. So, you know, it's in, but it's in their nature to be, I mean, a dog, it's a dog. A bird flies because it's in its nature to fly, right? A fish swims because it's in its nature to swim. Now, if we receive the nature of God within us, you know what that means for us? Seriously? It means that we are going to desire the things of God. Because God is now a part of us. He's within us. Now, we're told in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness. This means that whenever you follow Jesus, Jesus will transform you and change you. You cannot come into contact with Jesus and be the same person because He gives you a new nature and it'll affect your life. Uh, Galatians 5 22 and 23 tells us how we are marked when we follow God. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Probably the biggest thing we get to share in because of God's new nature within us is we get eternal life. You know, sin marks us with death when we trust Jesus. He gives us victory over death. That's the hope we have in Jesus. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What's, gonna he, what's He going to do? He's going to transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. 
Guys, when God makes a promise, He keeps it. When He says He's going to give you His nature, He'll give you His nature. Now the question is, are you desiring the things of God? I'm not saying are you perfect. No, we're not. We sin. But is your desire to live for God? If it's not, then you seriously need to ask yourself the question, do I have the nature of God within me? Have I submitted myself to His leadership? You see, where a lot of people get into trouble again is that we ignore God's leadership and His Word and we go against the nature that He's put within us. Uh, there's a story of a lady. She's in 1984 in St. Louis. She was uh, an out-of-work cleaning lady and she was at her home during the summer and she noticed that bees were kind of flying in and out of her attic. And it was a lot of bees. And she just watched them go in there. She didn't think anything about it. She said, they're not bothering me. I'm not going to mess with them. I don't want to get stung. And so they just kept going in and out of her attic. What she did not know is that it became this, like, this huge active hive. And uh, they, they had a, you know, they built a, what do you, I don't know, a hive. I don't know. They, a honeycomb. And they, they put a lot of honey in their attic. And it was like over a ton of honey was in her attic. She just ignored these bees that long. Uh, eventually, there was so much honey in her attic that her house was not able to support the amount of honey. She's in her house, and she had, there's a honey crash in her house. The whole roof comes down. Now, the lady was in the house. She got, it didn't kill her. Uh, she was not injured. But because of her neglect, they, were, they had to condemn her house. They couldn't build it back up. Now, she saw what was going on, but she ignored what was going on. And because of it, her house was destroyed. Now... As believers, I, I don't want us as believers to get to a point where, you know, we ignore the leadership of God and we just ignore it. And because of that, we end up accumulating all these problems and shortcomings and failures. I, I, don't want, I don't want us to go to heaven by the skin of our teeth, in other words. I want us to be able, while we live here, to enjoy the blessings and the power and the confidence that we have in who our God is. Now, Satan tells us a whole lot of lies. He's a liar. And he will tell you over and over again, your problem's too big. God cannot handle your problem. He can't handle your marriage. He can't handle your kids. He can't handle the struggles in your job. He will tell you that over and over again. And where you're going to get in trouble is if you begin to believe it. But, but Peter understood this. And Peter said, God gives promises. And God gives us hope. And God keeps his word. How does he give us hope? He provides us with relationship with Him. He provides us with power, and He will provide you with a way out. Now, I really believe this. I believe it's time for some of us to connect ourselves with Jesus. Now, there's some of you, you've got all the knowledge in the world about Jesus. But now it's time for you to, to trust Him.